heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the voice of a nation. I'm your host, Wallace Garneau, filling in for Malcolm. And uh, I think I've got a good show for you today. I've actually uh, been struggling a bit with this. This is my my third attempt at recording it. I've got notes for uh, what I was going to go over. Uh, but every time I started the show, uh, one of the strange things about writing or, or, or doing a podcast or a radio show or anything like that, the process of thinking does not stop just because you sit in front of a microphone or, or pick up a pen or, or sit in front of a, a keyboard or whatever the case may be. Now, you've got an idea what you want to write. You may have an outline. You may have a thesis already thought out. You know, you, you, of course, you have a thesis. But you have, you've got a pretty good idea what it is you want to cover. But then as you start going through it, you know, your mind is still churning. You're still thinking. You're still processing. You're still putting pieces together. In, in, in this case, each time I started the show, I thought, you know, I'm missing something. And I'm not just missing something little. I'm missing something big. And that doesn't even mean I don't have it in the show. It doesn't even mean it's not on my outline. It just means I'm not talking about it the way that I need to. I was going to talk about Ukraine. I was going to talk about climate change. I was going to talk about green energy, Biden's corruption and incompetence, all of these different things and how they interrelate. And then it struck me that Toward the end of the production, toward the end of it, I started talking about the global cabal. Remember Time Magazine, how a well-funded cabal uh, saved our election, saved democracy from the will of the American people. That the American people were on the verge of possibly voting for the wrong person. So they controlled our access to information, the big tech, Facebook censorship, Twitter, Twitter uh, CNN, the media, all of that. And they, they, with big businesses and, and all of these different things, all of these different actors, this this well-funded cabal, as time framed it, uh, ensured that democracy would survive and that the American people would elect the right man for the job, which to them was Joe Biden. They were afraid of another four years of somebody else. So we know that that's true. Uh, time Magazine ran the expose on it. They gave names. They quoted the participants. Of course, they portrayed it as saving democracy. They portrayed it as these people being heroes, as these people being these great statesmen that did this wonderful thing. Of course, they're not great statesmen. These people literally stole an election. Never mind voter fraud. You know, I'm not saying voter fraud didn't happen, but you know, even without that, these people threw the election, they did it deliberately, they did it on purpose, and then they went on Time Magazine and bragged about it. And Time Magazine was brazen enough to say that they're heroes who are saving democracy from the will of the people. Oh, what is democracy if it doesn't involve the will of the people? It's, the whole thing's absurd. But So I was talking about that, and I was talking about it as kind of something toward the end of of the, the, the piece, or toward the end of the discussion, I was, I was kind of segueing into that about this is how the Democrats are going to use the war in Ukraine. And then it dawned on me that I was also throwing out a fact, kind of loosely, toward the beginning of the program, about how Joe Biden has taken tens of millions of dollars from Ukraine, also taken tens of millions of dollars from Russia. He's taken money on both sides of this war. 
and how the Biden family, particularly Hunter Biden, Burisma Holdings and all of that, how that was under a criminal investigation in Ukraine. And it dawned on me, when Russia invaded Ukraine, that investigation stopped. You're not going to be investigating corruption in Burisma Holdings. You're not going to be investigating Hunter Biden. You're damn well not going to be investigating the President of the United States when your country has been invaded by a larger power next door. So they were under a criminal investigation. Now he's giving them billions of dollars in aid. If Ukraine survives this, they'll be deeply indebted to the Biden family or to the Joe Biden administration. Uh, I think that investigation now is dead. And then it occurred to me, this is a global cabal. Uh, being a cabal, we don't necessarily know all of the inner workings, but there are certain things we know. We know, for example, that Russia and China are right now allied. They talk about it openly. It was, it's been in the news. Um, we know that uh, Time Magazine's article, Well-Funded Cabal. Uh, we know that Western Europe has been working in conjunction with uh, the United States and within, with help from, from Russia and China uh, in, in, in terms of, 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 for example, Arab Spring, destabilizing the Arab world and, and causing the largest mass migration of people at that time in human history, uh, flooding from, from uh, Muslim countries into Europe and then destabilizing Europe. Uh, you look at Arab Spring, you know, there's a reason why all of these, all of these ISIS trucks looked ex the same. They were all white Toyotas. And I remember looking at that and saying, what is ISIS doing? Are they only stealing white Toyotas when they take over, uh, when they take over a bunch of, you know, how, how are they all the same? Well, then we find out they're all the same because the CIA created ISIS, trained ISIS, funded ISIS, supplied ISIS. Uh, they did that to destabilize uh, Assad in Syria. And, and of course, there are a lot of geopolitical reasons for that. Uh, for example, the UAE wants to run a pipeline of natural gas into Europe, which would break Putin's, uh, Putin's uh, monopoly on natural gas in Europe. To get there, they have to go through Turkey, and to get to Turkey, they have to go through, you guessed it, Syria. So Russia is against that. Uh, we're in favor of that, and that was that was a big part of Syria. But how much of Syria was in order to 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 continue the Arab Spring and and continue the mass migration and in, in fact turn the spigot up on that mass migration of Muslims into Europe to destabilize Europe and uh, to make it less well to make it less I don't want to say less Christian, but when you think about concepts such as uh, liberty freedom, the, the whole concept of, of, of individual lives mattering the way that they do in the United States and, and, and in Europe, uh, that comes from a Christian ethos. That comes from Judeo-Christian culture. That comes from the Judeo-Christian God. And even though Muslims worship the same God, they worship the same God in a very different way. They have very different beliefs about what that, that God wants. Uh, if, if you look at the teachings of Jesus, you know, forget about everything else in the Bible and just go by what Jesus said. If you follow the things Jesus said, is that going to make you a violent person or a pacifist? Is that going to make you a good person or a bad person? Is that going to make you commit sin or is that going to make you, you know, a saint? Well, I would say if you follow the teachings of Jesus, you're going to be a very, very good person. And that the more you follow the teachings of Jesus, the better a person you're going to be. And you don't even have to be religious to see that. I am a Christian, but you don't have to be to see that. Jesus Christ was a peaceful person. He was a passive. He wasn't entirely a pacifist. You know, he didn't overturn the tables. But he was a very, very good person. And the things that he taught, what amazing lessons, what amazing teachings. 
the, the more you're like Jesus, the better a person you're going to be. And then you contrast that with Muhammad, who was a war, uh, he was a warlord. Uh, he 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 told his followers more than a hundred times to kill the infidel, to kill all infidels. He blamed a lack of proper belief, a lack of belief in exactly his teachings for all sin and suffering in the world, and said, "If we could just eliminate everybody who doesn't believe what I'm telling you to believe, if we just kill them all, then the world we will bring paradise to this earth." But of course, you can't kill them all, so that's why you have to die to go to paradise. But the point is. If you follow Muhammad, you're, you're going to be less of a good person. And uh, and and the the teachings of Muhammad and the teachings of Jesus aren't very compatible. So so taking followers of Muhammad, taking uh, Muslims and having a mass migration of them into Europe is deep is is it's destabilized Europe as, as it would do if if, we, if they did that here. You start looking at this, the global cabal, control of information. You start looking at how COVID-19 has been handled. Uh, all these medications, early treatment not being allowed, even though we now know it would have been effective. The mask mandates, uh, all the, the, the lockdowns and all of that. All of a sudden we find out the masks don't work anywhere near as well as we were told they did and that the lockdown was completely ineffective. I think the John Hopkins University said it was 0.02% effective, which is which is nothing. It's, it's the whole thing. We have been lied to consistently now, just on COVID-19 for better than two years, and you start looking at everything else. ISIS being funded by the United States, being the brainchild of Barack Obama. Uh, you start looking at all of this, and you start looking at how it's portrayed in the media. You start looking at what we're told. Ladies and gentlemen, we're being lied to constantly. The only thing that we can truly be sure of when we look at the media, when we look at what the President of the United States might say, or, 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 or Jen Psaki, or, or any of these people, the only thing we can be sure of is that we can't be sure of anything they say. We just don't know the truth because we're not being given the truth. We're being The, the truth is being hidden from us. And, and that's a very scary thing. And that's the global cabal. So you look at that, you look at the fact that Joe Biden's family has been paid tens of millions of dollars by Ukraine and China, or and Russia, and China, we'll get to that a little later. Uh, you start looking at the fact that his family was under the Burisma Holdings and Hunter Biden were under a criminal investigation until the invasion occurred. You start looking at the fact that China and, and Russia are aligned and that China and Russia are on board with the idea that the Western world needs to fundamentally be transformed, it needs to be weakened, we need to be brought down to size. Uh, you start looking at uh, how, how they're, the critical race theory, they're teaching that we're a terrible racist nation. They're teaching our children that they're evil and that you know, toxic masculinity. They're destabilizing our nation. They're doing that on purpose. And while I think that China and Russia have different aims than the Western global cabal, I, call, I say Western global cabal because I truly think it's Western Europe and the United States, Canada. I, I, don't, think it's, I don't think it's every country on earth. I, I, I don't think it is. I don't think China and Russia are, are, are in on it. But I think that they all agree that we need to radically transform the United States and that we need to weaken the United States. And, and so, you know, our we, we have people in our government that want to weaken the United States. Uh, COVID-19, we now know it escaped from the Wuhan lab. Did it escape? Was it released intentionally? That we don't know. But we know that they lied to us for two years about it coming out of the Wuhan lab. And then you look at Ukraine. Great timing. Great, great timing. Uh the thing about Ukraine, the thing that really bothers me is the possibility that maybe, maybe it's on purpose. 
maybe Joe Biden and uh, Putin and and the leaders of Western Europe, maybe maybe they did this on purpose. Uh, COVID nineteen starting to wane. We need something to scare the American people. We need something for the Democrats to limp into the midterm elections with Ukraine. And and so, as I was cutting the show initially. I kept coming back to the global cabal, but too late in the show. So I finally decided that really is the critical piece. That's the linchpin. This Time Magazine article about a well-funded cabal saving democracy from the wishes of the American people, ensuring that we elect the right guy when we're all adults who might elect the wrong guy. You know, fly over country. And then I look at Ukraine. And I thought, holy crap, this is the Arab Spring all over again. This is stringing us along to keep us afraid, and and it's it's all just more of the same. So, with that in mind, let's go ahead and look at this. Uh, and I want to look at the I, I want to look at what's happening in Ukraine from that perspective that it, that it could be an intentional just a, just another way to scare us and to string us along and and to distract us from other stories. Uh, but I do want to talk about Ukraine. I want to talk about why the war started, why it started now, uh, all of these different things. And one of the most interesting things when you look at Ukraine, the war in Ukraine, that you might try to look at are the histories of Ukraine and Poland and, of course, Russia and the Soviet Union. Uh, if you look at Poland, for example, from 1782 to the end of World War I, 1918, there, there was no Poland. Uh, Poland had been split between Russia, Austria, and Prussia. Prussia later becoming part of Germany. Uh, you look at Ukraine. Ukraine hasn't really been a nation. It was just formed in 1992. Historically, Ukraine is a part of Russia. It was a part of uh, the empire, the Russian Empire under the Tsars. Uh, it was a part of the Soviet Union. It really only became independent in 1992. Now, it probably should be independent. I, I totally believe that. Uh, the Ukrainian people have always considered themselves Ukrainian. They did not consider themselves Russian. They, they never have, any more so than the Polish people have considered themselves Polish. But then you look at Poland again, and the interesting thing about Poland is that when you look at a map of Poland or of Eastern Europe where Poland is, uh, before World War II, and then you look at a map of Poland today, really after World War II, it's not in the same location. It hasn't moved completely. It's not like it's not like Warsaw is, is not in Poland anymore or, or wasn't before. You know, it's large overlap there still. But when you look at Poland, it moved west. A, a large section of what was Poland uh, before World War II no longer is. It's a part of Belarus and, and, and Ukraine. And uh, a large portion of what is Poland today, such as Cilicia and some other areas, uh, they were not a part of Poland prior to World War II. They were part of Prussia. And, and you look at that, and, and then you look at the demarcation line that Stalin and Hitler agreed to when they invaded Poland. And Poland was invaded by three countries. It was not invaded by two. It was invaded first by Hitler and by a section of Poland that was in a semi-autonomous semi region, had its own military. Uh, it was called the Danzig Corridor, and when Hitler invaded Poland, so did the Danzig Corridor. And then a week, week and a half later, Stalin came in from the east. Well, at the end of the war, interestingly enough, the line on the eastern part of, of what became Poland again, it ended where Russia had taken. So Russia took over a good section of Poland and never gave it back. 
Germany, on the other hand, was forced to give up a large section of Prussia, uh, which now is is Poland. So you you, you look at that and, and, and the way that, uh, that that Russia has 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 taken Poland over effectively twice. And, and you look at the fact that, that Ukraine has only been a nation since 1992, and then you look at, at Putin, and, and we know about Putin. Uh, and I'm going to do a little segue here before I finish that thought. There's a strange thing going on where when somebody says something, it be construed as, as positive about Putin, all of a sudden everybody's jumping on them. You know, Donald Trump, for example, said that, that Putin, I'm going to be paraphrasing here, I don't have his exact quote in front of me, but he said that Putin was uh, intelligent, he said he was shrewd, uh, and he said that he outsmarted uh, Joe Biden and, and, the, and, the, and the Western powers. Well, I've got news for you, Putin is an intelligent man. He's also a patriotic man. He, he may not always love the Russian people, he's, he's certainly willing to flush a lot of them away in, in Ukraine. Uh, but he does believe in Russia. He believes in, in Russia. He wants Russia to be a powerful country again. Uh, he wants Russia to dominate Europe. He wants to rebuild the, the, the Russian Empire, you know, taking back the lands that were lost when the Soviet Union split up. Uh, and, and so you look at that, and you know, he doesn't really view Ukraine as a legitimate country. He views Ukraine as a part of Russia that split off in 1992 and that should be brought back into Mother Russia. And, and but we, we, when we talk about Putin, you know, to me, if you want to be able to predict what uh, an opponent is going to do, it's important to understand that opponent. Uh, we, we can't understand Putin if, if, we, if we're not honest about Putin. Uh, if, if all we want to say is that he's a deranged, evil madman, well, perhaps he's deranged, perhaps he's evil, perhaps he's a madman, but if, if we're just insulting him, and all of a sudden saying any anything that could be construed as a positive trait makes you a puppet or, or an apologist or, or somehow bad yourself. Well, he is intelligent. He is shrewd. He does believe in Russian greatness. Uh, he, he is, you know, in, in that sense, he'd be a Russian patriot. Um, he, he has outsmarted at least Joe Biden. And admittedly, that's not hard to do. But... But he has all of the things that, that, that was Trump who said those things, they're all true. And all of a sudden, here we are in this place where if we look at Putin as he is, if we try to analyze the man honestly, which is necessary to try to determine what he might do and how he might respond based upon what we might do, you know, the media is not letting anybody do that. The media is saying, oh, you're an apologist. You said he's intelligent. Well, the fact that he is intelligent might be relevant. So we're in this really, really weird place where people aren't allowed to say the truth. They're not allowed to think the truth. They're not allowed to... They're attacked if they do. And they're attacked relentlessly. Mike Pence, for example, even got in on it, saying that there is no room in this party for apologists for Putin. Well... Admittedly, he's right, there is no room in the Republican Party for apologists for Putin. But who in the Republican Party has been apologizing for Putin? Have I been apologizing for Putin? I wrote in a recent article that we ought to be shooting down Russian jets and bombing Russian troops in Ukraine. That we need to make sure that Ukraine wins this war because otherwise Putin has aims outside of Ukraine and this war is going to escalate. 
that China is watching what's happening in Ukraine very, very carefully. And more than that, they're watching how we respond to what's happening in Ukraine very, very carefully. If we respond to Ukraine in a way that telegraphs to China that we're not going to defend Taiwan, well, all of a sudden, China's got expansionary plans. We have to understand what the, what the needs, what the ambitions of our adversaries are. In the case of Russia, I think we know Russia wants to dominate Europe. They want to rebuild the empire. The empire. They want to be a world player again. All of that stuff. In the case of China, which is allied now with, with, with Russia, they want to be a dominant world power. They want to be a superpower. They want to replace us as the dominant power on Earth. I don't think they want to take over the United States. I don't think they want to invade Western Europe. I don't think they want to control the Earth. Like, but They want to be the dominant world power, uh, and they want to be the absolute authority over the Pacific Rim. So the South China Sea, they want to be able to dominate. You know, They want to dominate all every, Australia. They want to be... Uh, an absolute powerhouse in 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 the in the uh, Pacific Rim, uh, and they want to be the dominant world power. And what's interesting about the aims of China and Russia, and this is why they were able to build an alliance, they don't overlap. Uh, Russia's aims don't really they don't relate to to the Pacific Rim, and China's aims don't really, at least in terms of control, extend into Europe. They, they don't want to dominate Europe the way that Russia does. They want to be a dominant power everywhere on Earth, of course. But but really, they they, they want to be the super dominant power, not in Europe, but in, 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 uh, in the Pacific Rim and in Asia. So because they don't have any overlap, all of a sudden they realize they can work together against us. And not just that, but the global cabal wants them to. The global cabal wants to weaken the United States. The global cabal wants to radically transform our country. They tell us that every day. And so here we are, war, war in Ukraine. Um, so why now? Well, green energy is a big part of that. Uh, the, the, the climate alarmism, we know that's a myth. If you're listening to this, you've heard, I'm sure, on Malcolm Out Loud many times. We know it's a myth. That's not to say that climate change isn't real. The climate's been changing forever. It will always change. And that's not to say uh, that CO2 usage isn't contributing to it. Uh, mankind, of course, can contrib contribute to, to climate change. We've, we've been doing that forever. Smog in cities. You know, uh, when I was a kid, uh, Lake Erie sometimes would spontaneously, probably more Detroit River than Lake Erie, but, but the, the Detroit River and Lake Erie would sometimes spontaneously catch on fire from the chemicals that were floating on top. You know, so absolutely we can have an impact on the climate. Uh, today I catch walleye out of Lake Erie, and, and i got to tell you, the, the walleye you catch out of, out of uh, the Detroit River, Lake Erie, uh, it's delicious. Good, good fish. So you know, things change. Uh, the Kalamazoo River, I grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan. You could, used to be able to smell that thing a, a mile away. You had to drive over it with your nose plugged. I mean, it was, it was, it was terrible. And now people swim in the Kalamazoo River. So, yeah, we changed the climate. Mankind does have an impact on the climate, far more so than any other species ever has. But it's both positive and negative. You know, we, we, the rich countries, for example, if a poor country, if you're, if, all, if, if you're concerned with eating, if that's your primary concern, you don't have time to worry about the climate. You're worried about not starving to death. You don't care about the climate, you don't have time. It's rich countries that have the capital, that have the time, that have the resources to even care about climate. So, you know, this notion that making us poor will somehow save the earth, that's, that's absurd. 
That's absurd. What is, what is true is that making other nations richer would save the earth because then their people would have more leisure time, more time to think about things like the climate. And you would start seeing activism, for instance, in China, which is becoming one of the most polluted nations on Earth. They are the largest polluter on Earth, not just of greenhouse gases, but, but of everything. So climate alarmism is, 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 is absurd. It's, climate alarmism is, is very dangerous. It's a, it's a very dangerous ideology. And we all know that there, there's really no, no cause for alarmism. Uh, CO2 usage has raised the, the temperature of the Earth a little bit, but... Uh, Doubling CO2 again would only raise it a little bit. The, the, the point is that there are negative feedback loops and that would be very, very difficult for us to cause any kind of, any of the damage that they're, that they're claiming we're going to cause. Uh, and and it would be incredibly expensive to do the things they want to do about it, whereas the costs of climate change are, are very small. So you know, we know that to be true. But the, the search for climate solutions, getting rid of fossil fuels in Europe, you know, Germany at one point was getting over 30% of their energy from renewables. Uh, the cost of energy had exploded four times. The Germans couldn't afford it. And, and not just that, but the reliability wasn't there. It's one of the things with energy, another segue, but not, one of the things with, with energy is uh, when you produce electricity, the amount of electricity being produced and being consumed has to always be exactly the same. You can produce less than what people want to consume. You can undercut demand, and then you have rolling brownouts and things like that. Uh, but whatever you produce has to be consumed. If you produce more than what is consumed, it'll blow your grid, and then you're not going to have any electricity potentially for months. That would be an absolute, that almost happened in Texas a couple of winters ago. So that's an absolutely devastating scenario if you produce more energy than is being consumed, more electricity. Uh, well, Germany was running into the opposite problem. California today is running into the opposite problem. And that is that they were getting so much of their energy from sources that fluctuated naturally, you know, wind and the sun, they fluctuate, uh, that it was impossible for them to balance production with demand. And that's that's normally what you do. You have you, you have a peak amount of energy that you're able to produce or electricity that you're able to produce, and then you 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 ramp up toward that and you bring it up and down as as demand changes. And they do that in real time to keep the two exactly the same. Well, you start bringing in energy sources, electricity sources that have natural variation themselves. And now you have to fluctuate those that you have control over even more to compensate not only for changes in demand, but also for changes in production from those, those renewable sources. Well, Germany got to the point, and California today is at the point where they can't do that. So what they do instead is they produce less energy than is demanded, less electricity. And they have to produce that by a low enough amount that if all of a sudden the wind picks up and the, and the turbines go faster, you get a spike in production. Well, they have to keep it no higher than, than, than consumption, or than demand, rather, even even when those spikes hit. So they, they, they constantly have to hold energy, electricity production uh, below demand. And that means that Germany was having not only electricity that was four times expensive as it should be, but also there was never enough of it rolling blackouts became permanent. And rolling blackouts now are permanent in California for the same reason. Well, it became such a political football in Germany, the high costs, lack of reliability, that they began opening up coal plants again. Uh, they also began buying more and more natural gas from Russia. Now, Russia even built a new pipeline, a Nord Stream 2, going into Germany through the Black Sea in order to double the amount of natural gas they're able to send into Europe, in this case, through Germany.
And 40% of the electricity produced in Europe today is produced on fossil fuels that come from Russia. So this gives Russia the ability to completely shut off all fossil fuels, all electricity that is, in Europe. And so, you know, you look at the weakness of Joe Biden, the corruption of Joe Biden on the world stage. You look at, if you're Putin, that is, you look at the way uh, that we retreated from Afghanistan with our tails between our legs, literally leaving a billion dollars in equipment for the Taliban. You look at uh, the corruption of the Biden family in Ukraine. You look at it in Russia. You look at the gross incompetence of this administration. You know that Europe isn't going to do anything if you invade Ukraine. They can't. They do. You shut off their electricity. Now they can't transport food. If it's in the winter, they freeze to death. You know, the, the absolutely catastrophic things would happen in Europe if, if Biden decided, or Putin rather, decided to shut off their electricity. So, you know, they're not going to do anything. And now you've got Joe Biden as president of the United States. He probably could do something, but he's not going to because he's corrupt. He's weak. He's a senile old man. Uh, and he showed his true colors in, in Afghanistan. And, and so even if there is no global cabal encouraging Putin to invade Ukraine, and I'm not convinced that there isn't, uh, even if there isn't, what a great time if you're Putin. Of, of course you're going to invade Ukraine now. You consider it a part of Russia. You consider this a patriotic act to bring it back into Mother Russia. And it's, it's the time to do it. And he's, it, it, he wants more than Ukraine. Ukraine is not his endgame. His endgame is bigger than that. His endgame may even include Poland. As I was saying, Poland for a period of time was two-thirds of it was a part of Russia. And Russia never gave back the part that they took at the end of World War II. This is a very, very dangerous situation. And uh, being weak on the world stage is only going to make it worse. So... Yeah, we're, that's where we are today, and uh, and I think this is a good time to segue into a commercial. So uh, we'll give our sponsors a moment, and we'll pick you up on the other side. Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Along with a healthy immune system, clean air is vital for optimal health. According to the EPA, we spend 90% of our time indoors, where germs are most concentrated. It's essential to clean indoor air. Genesis is the only technology that quickly, safely, and effectively kills pathogens both in the air and on surfaces in seconds, reducing the viral load in any environment. The powerful, well-built Genesis Fogger produces a dry, ultra-fine mist using HOCL, which occurs naturally in our own immune systems. We'll be living with airborne diseases in the future. New viruses and antibiotic-resistant superbugs are no problem for Genesis. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Visit genesisfogger.com. America Out Loud listeners receive a 15% discount with promo code OUTLOUD at genesisfogger.com slash OUTLOUD. Invincible American spirit drives the most audacious experiment in the history of self-government. America Out Loud celebrates the American spirit every minute of every day. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. Dr. Vladimir Zelenko knows a thing or two about the immune system. He was nominated for a Nobel Prize 
for his early COVID-19 treatments, and now he's offering his Z-Stack supplements to our listeners at a discount. Just go to zstacklife.com slash freedom. That's zstacklife.com slash freedom. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast-paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert. It's a pill-free brain supplement made with maximum absorption technology designed to feed our brains at the cellular level. Take it for a test drive. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Focus Plus Recall. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 20% off. The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at libertyatamericaoutloud.com. libertyatamericaoutloud.com. Welcome back to Voice of a Nation. This is Wallace Garneau, your host, filling in for Malcolm Out Loud. And uh, on the last segment, we kind of talked about the causes of the war in Ukraine, why this was the time to do it, and uh, and, and we, we talked about the global cabal and about how perhaps the war in Ukraine is is a part of that. Uh, in, in this next half of the of the show, I want to talk about uh, how the Democrat Party is positioning itself to use this. I want to talk about how. Uh, Mike Pence has opened the door for them to do that. I want to talk about uh, how the dangers of this going forward, uh, what it means for our future, and, and, and things like that. Uh, I want to talk about also those things as we try to seek peace in Ukraine that we have to be aware of. Uh, and that's probably the first thing to look at, is what exactly is Putin's endgame in Ukraine? What is he willing to negotiate on and what is he not willing to negotiate on? What might actually cause a nuclear war? Uh, and the answer there, uh, to me, if you look at a map of Ukraine, or of Russia, you'll notice that all of the major ports in Russia are in the north. And those ports freeze over, which means that Russia, for a portion of the year, is effectively a landlocked country. Now, Ukraine, traditionally being a part of Russia has the Crimea. And the Crimean Peninsula, of course, those are also ports. Uh, they're, they're the only warm water ports Russia has historically had. And without the Crimean ports, or at least access to the Crimean ports, Russia is a landlocked country during the winter, at least part of the winter. And and that to Putin, and to really, I would think to anybody in Russia, is, is an intolerable situation. Uh, they're too big of a country and traditionally too powerful of a country to want to be landlocked for several months of the year, to tolerate being landlocked for several months of the year. So when I look at Ukraine, that would be that would be a hill I would expect Putin to be willing to die on. He is not going to give up access to the Crimean ports. 
you might be able to negotiate with him in terms of who controls the Crimean ports, the landmass of the Crimean ports, uh, but he would have to be assured of, of, of having access to the ports, both for uh, civilian traffic and, and also for, uh, for military, for his Navy. So I think we have to, to understand that. It's a part of understanding Putin, is understanding that the Crimea is probably a hill he's willing to die on. The rest of the Ukraine... I think he looks at that as something he wants to have to rebuild the empire, but Malcolm and I disagree on this. I don't see him starting a nuclear war over the rest of Ukraine. I think that if we inflicted a no-fly zone, started shooting down Russian jets, potentially even started bombing his troops to help ensure a Ukrainian victory, he wouldn't like it, but I think that he would... I, I, don't, see, I don't see any way that would start a nuclear war. I don't... Malcolm, I disagree, but I... I don't see any way that that would start a nuclear war. This whole concept of, of Ukraine joining NATO being intolerable to Russia, well, yeah, it probably is. Uh, but again, an expansion of, of the European Union into Ukraine, potentially NATO someday expanding into Ukraine, I don't see that as a hill he's willing to die on either. Uh, I think he'd rather that Ukraine be favorable to Russia or at the very at the very least be, be kind of a bridge between the East and the West. I know Henry Kissinger always thought uh, that Ukraine as an independent nation should be a bridge between East and West. But I just don't see that as a hill Putin's willing to die on. It, it wouldn't make any sense for him to, to be willing to, to risk his own country uh, and a nuclear retaliation uh, over, over that. Crimea, maybe. Obviously, if we invaded Russia and threatened the independence of Russia as a nation, that would be something that, that he would be, he would, might be, be a hill he'd be willing to die on. But, but nobody... I don't see anybody starting a nuclear war to win a war of aggression. I see nuclear weapons as political. I see nuclear weapons as potentially defensive. You know, if you if you if you cross this line, everybody dies. You know, the, the, actually doing it though is is another matter entirely. And uh, I'm, I'm I got to tell you, Putin's own intelligence ex uh, analysts. You know, some of them have uh, have. You know, we know Putin is. Is, is not going to fight a nuclear war over Ukraine. We, 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 just, just yesterday, uh, a former uh, a, a former Putin, uh, it's not called the KGB anymore, I forget what they call it, but a former agent told us you know, he's bluffing. And, and it's a smart bluff. I mean, if you want to keep us sitting on our hands when we have a weak president, that's, that's the card you play, and so that's the card that he played. But I, I just, I, I don't see that turning into a, into a nuclear war. What I do see... Uh, is I see Democrats jumping all over that quote uh, from our buddy Mike Pence that there is no room in this party for apologists for Putin. Uh, Democrats are going to say that that is proof uh, that there are Republicans who apologize for Putin. One of which, of course, they say is Donald Trump, who is who Pence was 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 referring to there. Uh, but it's a lie. I've never heard. A Republican apologize for Putin. I've never heard a Republican say anything about uh, this war in Ukraine being acceptable or being okay or any of that. Uh, the entire country has been united is, is in, in a way that we haven't been in a long time over the invasion of Ukraine. This is a country that is very much against that invasion, all of us. And so now we may differ on what to do about it, but I, I haven't heard anybody apologize for Putin. I haven't, I, not anybody, on any side. So this Mike Pence saying, he didn't say Trump by name, but, but inferring that, and inferring not only Trump, but inferring that Trump followers, that other Republicans 
who may be followers of Trump, <coughs> excuse me, that they're apologists for Putin. That's absurd. But it certainly opens the door for Democrats to claim that that's the case, because now they can use Donald Trump's own former vice president as uh, proof that that's exactly what's going on. And if you're a Democrat or a part of the global cabal, you take that. You take Putin's statement, uh, you take uh, Mike Pence's statement, and then you go back to the Russian collusion story from uh, the Trump presidency. You know, for four years, it was Russia, 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 collusion, 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 collusion. Uh, you know, they talk about impeaching Trump over Russian collusion. Hillary Clinton, to this day, says that Trump was not a legitimate president, that she would have won the election had it not been for Russia's interference in the election. Collusion, collusion, collusion. They're still claiming it to be true, even though we know it's not. You know, we spent millions of dollars, investigated for years. And, and at the end of the day, uh, Mueller came out with nothing. There was no Russian collusion. The dossier was fake. It was actually put together by Hillary Clinton. It, the whole thing. It was a Democrat smear campaign. It was Hillary Clinton's idea. We know all of this now. We know it was all crap. But but the Democrats are, are still beating that drum, and 40% and of the public perhaps still believes it. So... They're going to continue to talk about that, and now they're going to talk about Republican apologists for Putin. Uh, they're, they're, they're going to throw January 6th into this, the January 6th commission. And uh, the story here is that Russia colluded with Trump in order to make Trump the president of the United States, was successful tried to throw the, 20, the 2020 election as well, but thanks to a well-funded cabal, they were thwarted. January 6th was uh, supposedly an insurrection in which Trump tried to stay in power, tried to overthrow democracy, and other Republicans working with him or inspired by him uh, it created an insurrection. They breached the, the, the Capitol building and, and tried to overthrow the democracy, to overthrow the government of the United States in order to keep Trump as president and in order to keep the collusion and the alignment with Putin with Russia alive. Uh, they're going to, they're going to, from there they'll transition to these apologists for Putin are still working with Putin, trying to encourage him to invade Ukraine, trying to, to weaken America's resolve, uh, that the oil and gas costs, uh, the gasoline is $4 and a quarter at the, a gallon now because of Republicans, that, that the price rise, you know, all of these things, they're, 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 they're going to try to spin the Russian collusion narrative, the January 6th commission, they're going to try to spin all of that into Republicans did all of it and that it's all related to Putin, that the war in Ukraine, this is a Republican war, we're on the wrong side, we're supporting Russia because of Republicans, all of that. That's going to be uh, their battle cry in 2022, it's going to be their battle cry in 2024, and every time a Republican says, that's just not the case. There was no Russian collusion. There's, there, there's January 6th was not an insurrection. And January 6th, incidentally, the FBI investigated that into the ground and said afterwards, unilaterally, this is the same FBI, by the way, that was uh, had informants there in January 6th and helped cause the... Uh, the the uprising, not the uprising, but it'll help cause the uh, the the spontaneous uh, riot. Uh, the FBI unambiguously, unilaterally said it was a spontaneous uprising, a spontaneous riot. It was not in any way, shape, or form an insurrection. 
FBI said that unilaterally. They said that conclusively. So all of this talk about it being an insurrection, Nancy Pelosi knows that's crap. She knows it is. Adam Schiff knows it's crap. They all do. They know it's crap. But they keep beating that horn because otherwise, what do they run on? What is it the Democrats have done, that Democrats have said in the last four years? And the last, they'll go back further, the last eight years since Barack Obama was elected. The only thing that ran on with Obama is how cool he was. You know, we've got the coolest president ever. Look, he's drinking beer with, uh, with, with somebody. Coolest guy. You know, policy has never been their strong suit. The more they talk about policy, uh, the weaker they look, the worse they look. People look at critical race theory and they say, wait a minute here. You're, you're telling me that my, my daughter is a racist? She's four years old. You're telling me that she's a part of, of white privilege? She's four years old. You're telling me that the founders of this country wrote the Declaration of Independence in the Constitution of the United States in support of slavery? You're telling me that the NRA was founded uh, to, to protect slave owners from their slaves? That's absurd. The NRA, actually, a big chapter of the NRA after the Civil War, you can go back and check on this, was dedicated to arming former slaves because they were being attacked by the Ku Klux Klan. And the NRA thought they should be able to defend themselves for that. So the idea that the NRA was, was, was created out of white supremacy is patently absurd and demonstrably false. The notion that, that, that Reagan won because, uh, or that Nixon and Reagan, I should say, won elections because of a Southern strategy is absolute garbage. It's, it's not true at all. It's demonstrably false. When you look at the evidence for that, too, just like the, 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 the Mike Pence, you know, they, they, they take quotes, they take quotes out of context, they lie about what people have said, they lie about what things mean when people say it. Lee Atwater, in a conversation with two other men, most people call it an interview, it's actually a conversation, discussed how Nixon and Reagan won in the South because the Democrats had been using a, a Southern strategy. It used to be you just threw around the N-word and, and, and other racial epithets, and, and that got... The, the, the Democrats in the South to vote for you, the white Democrats in the South to vote for you. That was the way it worked for a long time. And what Lee Atwater was saying is the South is slowly becoming less and less racist. And as it becomes less and less racist, that's actually the acceleration of it becoming less racist. It's, 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 becoming, it's, it's happening faster and faster. It's accelerating. And so he said uh, Democrats started talking using code words. Like Joe Biden, for example, said he didn't want his children growing up in a jungle, a racial jungle, and he was against busing. He would, he was in favor of segregation, uh, and so th those were were things that you could say that would still that would still get the the, the Southern Democrats to vote for you. Uh, in the when, when Biden was saying, it, but it, it was becoming less and less effective as they became less and less racist. And then all of a sudden, Nixon was talking about things that you would talk about in the North, things that had nothing to do with racism, uh, such as uh, national security, uh, such as uh, police protection, and, uh, and, and, and and minimizing crime and things like that. The same things you would talk about strong economic strong economic growth. The same things that that Republicans were strong on in the North. All of a sudden, those messages were resonating in the South as well, because the people in the South were becoming less racist and were more worried about other things. 
and it worked with Nixon. Incidentally, it only worked with Nixon in the when he was reelected. He was reelected by a landslide, won every state. I think he lost a, I know he lost a district Columbia, might have lost one state, but it was an absolute landslide. And of course, it also worked with Ronald Reagan, who who again won by absolute landslides around the country. The the, the notion that Republicans and Democrats that that somehow they all got up from their desks and they all changed places to each other's desks. You know, the Republicans taking the Democrat desks and the Democrat taking the Republican desks and then the Democrats left their hoods and robes in their desks and so the Republicans took ownership of it. That's all garbage. It's not true at all. And it's demonstrably false. But, you know, they, they lie about it. And they lie about it constantly. That's been their battle cry now forever. And uh, one thing Democrats are aware of, very painfully aware of, is that they have largely lost the Hispanic vote and that while they have not lost the, Afri the African-American vote, uh, the notion that 90% of African-Americans are going to vote Democrat consistently every time, no matter what Democrats do, those days are over. More and more African-Americans are thinking for themselves. They're telling the Democratic Party to kiss their ass. They're seeing the... They're, the you know, more and more people in America are becoming more and more informed. And the more informed they become, the more they see about the things Democrats are saying and doing, the less they like it. That's why the Democrat Party is in trouble. And that's why they're looking for new messaging. Which is exactly what Mike Pence gave them. Now, why would Pence do that? Well, obviously, he's going to run for president, and he's expecting that Donald Trump will run for president as well. If Donald Trump does not run for does, does not run for president, I'm expecting that Ron DeSantis will, uh, and I'm expecting that Ron DeSantis would be a, a very good choice. I'm also expecting that Trump does not run. Ron DeSantis would get his support rather than Mike Pence. So Mike Pence sees this. Mike Pence, who is somebody that I used to think of as a man of integrity, uh, somebody I would have, would have seriously considered voting for. Um, it was a purely political statement to say that there is no room in this party for apologists for Putin, to throw the entire Republican Party under the bus and say we're the reason for the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, it was a political move designed to get as much support as possible away from Trump and toward him, but it was a lie, it was reckless, it's, it's, it creates a new narrative that the Democrats would not have been able to run on before. It strengthens their party. Pence isn't going to get elected. He knows it. He will never win a general... He'll never even win a nomination, much less a general election. Uh, if it's not Trump, it's going to be DeSantis. I, I, that's, I'm very, very sure about that. But now Democrats have this thing to run on that was, was dead in the water before, and uh, we know the way this game is played. If you deny that, that there are apologists in the Republican Party, perhaps they'll start kicking you off of Twitter and kicking you off of Facebook. They'll start putting uh, the things on your, your Facebook posts and on Twitter saying that it's missing context, that an independent fact checker has decided that it may mislead even though it's true. You know, all the dirty tricks they play, all the dirty tricks that Time Magazine told us they did, that the people who did it, were interviewed by Time Magazine. They told us they did it. All of these things, that's exactly what they're going to do in 2022. They're already starting. That's exactly what they're going to do in 2024. They're just, it's not the exact same narrative. You know, they were keeping us afraid with, with COVID. They, they changed the election rules because of COVID. Now they're going to do it because of insurrectionists. Now they're going to do it because of apologists. Now they're going to do it because they're going to say that there are Republicans who are traitors to this country. They're, you mark my words. 
They're not just going to go after election rules. They're not just going to go after, they're not just going to censor. They're not just going to try to control our access to information again. They're not just going to turn our media in, in, into a state, uh, into a Democrat-controlled, you know, non-independent. We don't have a media anymore. We don't have news. What we have is straight-up propaganda, and that's true on both sides of the political aisle. Fox News isn't any better than CNN. So I, I tend to agree with Fox News more, but it, when you listen to something on CNN and you listen to the same story, on Fox News, you look at the, it's not that they make up facts. Sometimes I think CNN particularly, they, they do make up facts, but that's not the big thing they do. The big thing they do is they decide what facts to use and what facts to omit. And they can spin an entirely different story based on what facts they decide to look at and what facts they don't. Fox looks at the facts that support a conservative view. CNN looks at the facts that don't. And, and that's the way the game is played. To a certain degree, that's the way the game has always been played. But now, all of a sudden, we have big tech uh, playing middleman, trying to play referee, acting like they have the right to tell us what information we can listen to, what information we can hear. And, you know, it's easy to say I'm sick of it. It's easy to say I'm just going to go to truth uh, social. I'm going to go to to Gab or I'm going to go to you know one of these other one of these other sites. But the, the, the problem is, that's not where the people are. I've got a very large following on Facebook. I've got thousands of followers on Facebook. If I write an article and I post it to Facebook, I can guarantee myself a couple of thousand page views just from my followers uh, within within maybe 48 hours. I can guarantee it. Uh, Twitter, I, I have a growing following on Twitter. A lot of that thanks to, uh, to, thanks, thanks to America Out Loud. Uh, but it's nowhere near as big as what it is on Facebook. So if I am banned on Facebook, or if I'm suppressed on Facebook, or if I'm censored on Facebook, they can do a tremendous amount of damage to my ability to get my message out. And that's what they do. They do that on purpose. They they suppress conservative messages, and they, they take liberal messages and throw them out there to everybody. You want to say something about CRT, or white, white privilege, about male, uh, about masculine, what are they, toxic masculinity. If you want to say that a four-year-old kid needs to act more feminine because otherwise toxic masculinity, they're all for that. That, that. that message, loud and clear, they're all for it. And, you know, what pisses me off about this is we know they're out there. They're, 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 they're brazen enough to tell us they're out there. And so, as I was trying to record this, this again, my, my third time doing it, as I was trying to record this show, I kept going through it and getting toward the end and saying, no, something's missing. Something's just not right. I, there's an angle here. I haven't written about it yet, but but I'm thinking as I as, as I try to get this message out and as I, as I write articles, you know, it's a thinking process. It's not like you're done with the story when you start. You're not even always done with the story when you finish. Uh so I kept going back and saying, no, I got to delete that. I have to cut this all over again. I actually had audio I was going to bring in from the news. I was going to bring in some audio from Joe Biden, from Jen Psaki. And then I thought, no, my angle is wrong. There's an important piece here that I'm missing. And so now I think I finally caught it. I think I finally gotten the message out there. The, the, the piece is that global cabal. The piece is the, the, the Western so-called democracies that are now censoring, that are now manipulating information, that are now denying us access to information. Or the United States, you know, we're not as bad as China was. It's not like you say Tiananmen Square and you disappear. But it's getting to the point where there are topics. If you talk about them on Facebook, they will take you off of Facebook. 
absolutely insane. Never thought I would live in a country where that was the case. I'm old enough. I was actually, uh, I was, I was uh, five years old in 1976. I don't remember the day beautifully, but I remember, I remember January 4th, 1976. I remember the celebrations. Uh, it was at a campground. There was actually a tornado that came through on that day, knocked down some trees. But after the tornado, we went out and watched fireworks. Uh, with a big picnic. I remember the celebration. I remember the hope and joy in the air. America had existed for 200 years. We were still free. We were still independent. We were still, we still had liberty. I knew I could grow up to be whatever I wanted to be. I knew that my children would be able to grow up. At least I thought that my children would be able to grow up to be whatever they want to be. And somewhere between then and now, when I grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I thought racism was 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 a thing of the past when I in, in the 1980s when I was in high school because busing in Kalamazoo was the right size city. Busing actually worked there, um, but then I move over to the Detroit area and all of a sudden I I, I realize that South. Southfield is a different school system than Detroit. Hamtramck is a different school system. Uh, as you move out into the suburbs, you know, segregation is alive and well in our school systems, the inner cities versus the suburbs. And I saw that and I thought, okay, okay there's still racism, there's still a lot of work to do. But the notion that the country was founded on racism, that that's all we have, it's all we are, it is all we have ever been. Bullshit. But that's the message the global cabal puts out there. That's the message the global cabal will allow us to hear. They're, they just beat that like a drum. And now they beat Russian collusion like a drum. And now they're going to beat January 6th commission like a drum. And they're going to beat this, this whole thing about uh, supposedly having apologists in the Republican Party. They're going to beat that like a drum. And get used to it, because they're just going to keep beating it and beating it and beating it. Knowing that 40% of the public will take it at face, at their word. Just going to absorb it right out of the gate. But that's not the 40% they're beating it after. They're going after independents. They're going after moderate Republicans. They're going after people who think that Donald Trump is mean on Twitter. They're going after anybody who... They, they, what they want to do is they want to take their 40% and add 20% to it. Then they've got the majority. That's what they want to do. That's their goal. They know they're going to lose this election, so get ready for them to start attacking Republicans and talking about possibly even taking them out of Congress because of the insurrection and all of that garbage. Get ready for it because it's going to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, these are scary times. These are serious times. It's time to get loud, get active, and get proud. Thank you. Thank you.